0: Who's loving this all this rain? Well, I'm glad it's not rainy today. Praise the Lord for that. Friday was just ridiculous. Is anyone with me on that? Um, it turns out, like every preach now, I just talk about the weather for the first like two minutes, um, which is great. But um, hey, I'm really excited to be preaching uh the gospel, the word today. Uh, we're talking on our Seeds and trees series, trees series, as Pastor Paul just said. And um, to be honest with you, that that theme, um, Probably doesn't sit too well with me um, because it, when it comes to anything, seeds or trees, I'm horrible. Um, is anyone like me where they just cannot uh, get anything to thrive or live? Yeah, okay. A couple people. Excellent. Oh um, uh, yeah, I'm I should I'm not qualified. I should not be up here. We should have got, I don't know, someone from Bunnings to come up here and talk about, you know, seeds and trees and how they work. As so. I have no idea. Um, but I'm very glad it's a metaphor. Um, if it was a metaphor, get me off here. Uh, but I'm excited to talk about it. I'm pretty sure, actually, you know, being honest for a second, my my brother-in-law hooked myself and Johanna up with some um, with some plants, um, not too long ago, um, and they're ones that aren't too hard to look after, yet they are no longer with us. Um, that just shows you I'm just not very good at this thing. Thank the Lord, it's a metaphor. Um, but I've got this quote. Uh, Today, penned by me, so I'm pretty good. Um, But uh, it says this, what determines the fruitfulness of a tree is only dependent on the faithfulness of the seed. What determines the fruitfulness of a tree, don't know much, but I do know this, is only dependent on the faithfulness of the seed and what we do with the seed. Uh, The idea here, church, is that God has actually placed seeds in all of our hands here this morning. Every single one in this room, we all have seeds in our hands. God has placed seed in your hands. God has given you a call of God on your life to steward. He's given you a spouse. Maybe he's given you kids here. Uh, God has placed you in a church community uh, to be seed in good soil. But holding it to ourselves will not actually produce the life or the faithfulness to see the fruitfulness that it was always supposed to become we all have seed every single one but will we see the seed become fruitful trees i'll put it another way if we are unfaithful with seed we will see unfruitful trees and then this morning we're talking about the church you and i if you don't know much about the church the church just means the body of christ the people coming together the called out ones of god and how we have this thing called the church that is started its seed form and look where it is now but also how are we going to continue to see the fruitfulness of the church into the future because if you look around our world right now the world needs the church the world needs this place he need they need people like you and i because god never intended for the church to be an unfruitful seed but a thriving and a fruitful one so today i want to talk How do we see the church? How do we see our churches in power become a flourishing and thriving tree? And it's going to start with the seed. Why don't we pray as we get into God's word? Lord, I thank you for your word is strong. Lord, it will not return void, God. It will do everything that it needs to this morning. I thank you, Lord, as we read your word. God, help it. Help it. Encourage us today. Help us. Help it give life to us today. Help it challenge us and convict us where it needs to, God, because we know it's your kindness that leads to repentance. We pray, God, that we can be a church, not a weak, fragile, flaky, one-in-one-out church, but a strong, powerful, thriving, and citywide transformational church, God. So, that we pray, do something in all of us today, we pray. Amen. Amen. Wonderful. Well, I actually want to talk about, on this idea of Seeds and Treats, I want to talk about the seed of the early church. Because the thing is, is that we didn't think one day in Power Church, oh, this is a great idea. Why don't we start this thing called the church? And, you know, it was like, you know, 10 years ago. And it was a great idea. We'll get a bunch of people together, have a great time. No, the seed of the church or where it was first began was 2,000 years ago. So we're going to discover that today. And the Apostle Paul, uh, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, he says this incredible line to the church in Ephesus. And I believe it's an incredible reflection of if what he could see today when he saw in what seed form the church was to see what the church has become today. He said this in Ephesians 3.20. He said, Now to him, who's Jesus, who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. I love that Paul had this faith in the early church that he was one of the not founding fathers but he came just after essentially I guess he was really still the founding fathers one of them as well I wonder what Paul a church pastor and apostle I wonder what he would think if he was alive today looking at the church that you and I are a part of that he saw The early new church in seed form, the beginning of Jesus' vision for the world, that this would be a global, international, diverse, common ground people group coming together. And to see what it has become today, today, I bet the Apostle Paul would be absolutely dumbfounded to be like, wow, God has done immeasurably more than I ever thought that he could do. You know what the church is responsible for? or at least some statistics about it, there are th- right now, and this is just right now, 37 million churches, Christian churches worldwide. There is 37 million Christians, uh, sorry, churches, not Christian. There are 2.6 billion Christians globally. Peter spoke to 3,000 people and one day saw them saved. they were in the thousands, now we're in the billions. That is immeasurably more It's actually predicted, and can I say this? Maybe you've heard some other statistics before. I want to tell you they may be are false. It's predicted that there will be 3.3 billion Christians by 2050. 3.3 billion. Don't believe that the church is in decline because the church doesn't belong to governments. It's not a political ideology. It's not dark days for the church. It is the brightest days for the church because the church belongs to Jesus. And if the church belongs to Jesus, the one who is victorious, his name is victory, then I got to tell you, being here this morning should give you a spring in your step. You and I, we're a part of God's church. And that's something exciting. You know what? Our non-for-profit organizations in our world, even just in Australia, top five, world, uh, top four, World Vision, Salvation Army, Compassion Australia, Red Cross are all Christian institutions and organizations Feeding millions of people. Do you know that the top two of them uh, raised $370 million were raised by Just World Vision and Salvation Army in just one year. This is the church. I believe if the Apostle Paul was to walk in here today and see what the church has become, he would be like, God has done immeasurably more than I ever thought he was. This is the church today. Paul saw it only in seed form but how radically the church has changed the world for centuries for it to become now trees of fruitfulness for generations. But here's the deal, church. There's this line that's said throughout all of history on the church, is that the church is built on the blood of the martyrs. The church is built on the blood of the martyrs. You know that most of the disciples, the apostles, who founded our faith, they died for this. They died preaching. They died making disciples. They gave their lives. They didn't give their Sunday mornings. They gave their lives to the gospel. They gave everything of themselves to God. Here, I'll put it this way. We are trees of someone else's seed. But we are now the seeds for future trees. We are sitting In something amazing. We're sitting in 2.6 billion Christians. We're sitting in 37 million churches. Praise God for that. But do you know what? We are now the seed for the next generations. You and I must be sown and sacrifice our lives, wholly devoted before God as his church. If we want to see God's church become the fruitful trees in the future, that it was, but it's going to take a church that sacrifices like the previous generations. We've got to sacrifice. We've got to give up our lives. See, every generation of the church has a responsibility to save souls and to make disciples. Every generation. To raise the next generation in the ways of God and not in the world. God needs a strong church. Can I talk to the culture for a second? Not a flaky, one foot in One foot out, undiscipled church. The days are over for the church to just be something that we come to on a Sunday. The days are over. Can I put a a notice on the board this morning? The days are over for flaky one in, one foot in, one foot out Christianity. The days are in for I'm going to give my entire existence to seeing souls saved and to making disciples and giving my life to Jesus. The days are in. Because here's the deal. The church is only always one generation away from extinction. If you and I don't get serious about the church, God's vision and mission for the world, we're one generation from the extinction of the church. So what does Jesus expect of us? What is our function if you're a Christian here today? Maybe you're not a Christian. You're like, you're hearing about the church. And God invites you in. To this amazing thing today, but what are we called to be like if you're a Christian here? For the past two decades, uh, some, form, some forms, some forms—not all forms—but some forms of the Protestant Church and other denominations and whatnot have engaged in a culturally relevant idea of church. And I can only speak for the church that I have been a part of, that I've grown up in as well. And the main basis of this, and you may have heard these words before, is a cultural Christianity, like I just kind of mentioned before. And the problem with cultural Christianity is this lens or this framework that we view the church in not the way that God designed his church to be. Uh, I'll put it this way. Cultural Christianity is coming to church and asking him the question, what's in it for me? That's cultural Christianity. What's in it for me? And you're sitting here and you're like, oh, well, you were receiving a word today from obviously a pastor in this church. So you're receiving something today, but the basis is actually not selflessness it's selfishness it's what's in this for me what do i get out of this the problem is that cultural christianity is not anything that jesus called for his church to live by you know what cultural christianity says what's in it for me versus what does god desire of me what does cultural christianity say it says how can the church serve me rather than how can i serve the church Cultural Christianity says, I don't like that. I didn't like that song today versus I've come to the house of God to worship the God I love. Cultural Christianity says, I've added church to my calendar. I'm a Christian versus I've given up and I've laid down my whole life for the gospel. There is no more I, it is Christ in me, the hope of glory. It's the difference between cultural Christianity and biblical Christianity. What the Bible says of how we're supposed to live. Here's the deal, church. Jesus and his church is not a cheat meal. He's our daily bread. Every day. So when we come to church, we must adopt what he wants of us, not what we want of him. Biblical Christianity. I love what the Apostle Paul said going off what he said in Ephesians 3.20. He gave us, I believe, one of the single greatest analogies of what the church is supposed to be like. And I'll actually get that first slide up. It says like me, uh, cultural Christianity and some of the things that we like to do. Uh say me and then a bunch of different other things over there. If you got that on the back of the screen, that would be amazing. Think it's coming up. Maybe. Maybe not. Okay, awesome. Anyway, the impossible gave us one of the best analogies, and it's being a part of the body. There it is. Cultural Christianity. Me, work, church, finances, serving, Jesus, family. It's all We are the center, but Paul gave us the better, the better one. It's being a part of the body. Let's read Ephesians 1, 22, just before we read that verse before. He says this, And God placed all things under his feet, Jesus, and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. And then I got a bit of scripture in 1 Corinthians 12, 12 to 27. For just as the body is of one and has many members and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free. And we were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many members. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body. be. If we were all doing our own thing, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greatest the greater honor, and our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body. God has, not us. God has given greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. Don't really even probably need to say anything more. Paul has said it for us. The Bible tells us, big part, I know that maybe be, I don't know, toying or wrestling with some theologies potentially, but the Bible tells me that we don't add Jesus to our lives, but we are added to his life. He doesn't become our personal savior. We become a part of his church. We are literally added to his body. The church is called the body in the same way your left hand isn't going to punch your right arm, it would be disunity right now, you and I and God has given us an analogy for unity's sake that we are called to be the body. Now I've got a slide of the body here and I'm gonna get it up. This is what it actually looks like to be the body. All right, we've got Jesus. We've got, he's the head. The person next to you, they're probably the heart. Something like really, really important. I've got some bad news for you, church. You're the kneecap, okay? That's all you get. Hey, maybe you can call up God and ask him, you know, and be like, hey, do you reckon we could swap? You know, can I be something a little bit more important? Like, I don't know, the organ or lung, or I don't know, be the eye or something like that. Eyes taken, Jesus has the whole head. So um, don't worry if you're feeling bad that you're just a kneecap, don't worry. I'm the big toe, okay? I made it so I've humbled myself, okay? But all of us here, we are a part of the body. The person next to you definitely got to level up than you, sorry about that. But in the same way, This is what you and I should view church like every single day of our lives, not just on Sundays. We are the body of Christ. Jesus is the eyes. He's the mind. He's the brain. He's the sense of spell. He tells every part of the body where to go. You see, the thing about the body is that the head dictates everything. Right now, my hand is not dictating my brain. My brain is dictating where my hand goes. If I want to do this right now, it's because my mind just did it. Don't film that, please. I hope no one filmed that right there. But it... do it again. No, i just kidding. Yeah, I just decided that because my mind decided that, all right? And I'm a little bit crazy. You know this about me already. But it's because the brain, the head, tells everything else where to go. The finger doesn't get to tell. Brain, go here. It's like, oh my gosh, what is going on right now? That doesn't happen. So why are we as fingers and kneecaps and toes trying to tell the head where to go? You and I as the church, we're called to do what He's telling us. I, I really felt to say this today. If you're struggling to hear the voice of God, are you in the body of Christ? Because you will hear from the head when you're a part of the body. You will hear from Christ. You'll hear the Word of God spoken every Sunday. You'll hear it in life groups. You'll hear it in serving. You'll hear it at these times because you're connected to the body. Think about this for a second. The whole body has blood flowing through it. You know how we're washed in the blood of Christ? It's because we're part of the body of Christ. You and I have the life of God flowing through our bones. You know how you and I, we have the Holy Spirit individually filled in us. We are temples of the Holy Spirit, but also we are temples of the Holy Spirit as one gathered body together because we're the body of Christ. So God fills the house every Sunday. He fills our lives, but it's only when we're connected to the body. The blood is your body and the bible represents the life of anything if you're struggling and you don't feel like you have life at the moment get into the body of christ only in the body do you have access to the complete life and spirit of jesus so much more takes place in community than we realize how important is community in our lives i've got something it's going to look like something else i want you to this is a finger okay this is my finger specifically. And uh it's not. I was gonna think, do I Nick, do I go the analogy all the way? Chop off my finger for a second, but I didn't think that was a good idea. So so this is now this little bamboo strand has now become my finger over here. Okay. Oh no. I lost me finger. <laughs> I was um, you know, I was working as a carpenter when I eh, just came off. The life flows through the body. Every single one of my other four fingers right now is fine. Everything else of the body is fine. But right now, if we can picture for a second that that is my finger, is there blood flowing through it? Is there life flowing through it? It is disconnected from the body. And sometimes, church, what the enemy will have us do is believe but be bodiless. You know what the enemy would love to do for you? is to make you a bodiless believer. That you would just do your Christianity and your churchianity and your church and you would just be isolated right now at home by yourself doing your time with Jesus. But do you know that Christ has actually set up His body that we would be connected to one another in loving union with one another? For unity's sake. Christ has not called us to be individual members because He says, where would the body be? Where would the body that has hands and feet and is join together for the purpose of the world where would we go how will we have mission how will we have vision if all of us choose just to be these individual fingers that are placed everywhere one that's just weird personally but why would you do that when we could come together and see God do so much through us than we could if we were solo a finger or a body part cut off the body will not survive I understand you're getting this this morning but I want you to get this so much because I have seen too many young adults go, oh, I like church, but I'd rather just do my own thing. Families, they get offended or something because something was said, and instead of loving union, and I want you to get this, the enemy will use anything to deceive us for us to become bodiless believers and get us in our own isolation and fear and gossip and worry, and he tries to cut us off, and then when we're isolated, lifeless, he attacks. Jesus died for his church, the body. If he can bring disunity to this church, to any church, he will disarm the power of God on earth. So can I say, church, united we stand, but divided we fall. To be the body is a choice, to be committed and planted to the house of God. For the person next to you, they're not just another Person sitting in a seat. No, they're your brother and sister in Christ, the body, the church. To grow and to learn the ways of God together, to be the church, to serve one another. says this as we go on. That there may be no division in the body, that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. I enjoy going to the gym. Um, love fitness, love mountain climbing, love gymming, love running, all that kind of stuff. And there's some individuals at the gym uh, that you go to, and every single time you go to the gym, they just happen to be at the same machines or the same places every single time. Um, And this is fine, you know, you just kind of wait for them to leave. But there's a particular, uh, I guess, stereotype or uh, person that would go only to the weights that will uh, get your biceps pumping. Let's just say that. And it's usually these guys as these guys and they're in the mirror and they're like, you know, doing these ones. And, you know, it's, you know, the poses after the whole gym session, all that kind of stuff. Look, love them. Let's see them. Let's just pray for them right now. But, um, love them. That's just me. I'm just talking about me. No, I'm not really. Uh, But these people, and they kind of only go to that, uh, those places. And to be honest, I've probably been, no, I haven't been that before. Let me keep going. They only go to the same place and it's only really an upper body workout. And the only thing is when, when they've come off that machine or, you know, they were sitting down and they stand up and they're walking to another thing. Like, I know the Bible says don't judge and stuff like that, but where was leg day, boys? <laughs> like, I've got to be honest. Like you're looking like, you know, the character from chicken run, you know, just like chicken legs, you know, just like, like you're looking, you're looking tank up here. But, but there's nothing really, really going on down here. And i was just like, fuck, him, No, I don't really do that. That'd be so rude. That'd be so mean. And don't worry. I've been like that before. I'm just like, yeah, I'm just going to like focus on like arms and like, you know, chest and biceps and shoulders. And They're, they're rigged. They're rigged. But down here, they've kind of, you know, lacked in that apartment. And where am I going with this? I just wanted to tell you that. No. The, the deal is, is that I just think it's funny because... When it comes to like gym or working out or, or a person like usually we like uh we usually we like I'm just putting like my judgment on people, but usually a, a person that kind of looks the whole whole way, you know, like like all together is like deemed a person that, that looks that looks good, but maybe not just all chess. And and what I notice is that sometimes this happens exactly in the church as well. When it comes to some people being a part of the church but not giving and not serving, not being part of it, it's kind of like we've got this imbalance of people who go oh like like i come to church but i'm not a part of the church like some people they're kind of like the biceps and the arms and like we're we're working together for the mission the vision of seeing people come to christ souls saved, make disciples but then you've got people who maybe they're the you know a part of the body but they're the, the thighs or the calves or whatever and they're like you know what i don't really think like you know that serving thing is really for me i don't think that's part and it actually turns out that the church actually looks a little bit lopsided than what it's supposed to look like. Because when we all work together in unity, using the gifts and the talents that God has gifted on our lives, we are called to be a part of what God is doing in this house. You and I are actually on mission and on vision together. It's not like one person is going absolutely flat out and they're just like, you know, they're living the call of God on their life. And it's like, okay, we've got to serve Pass. Jesus said I wasn't You know, I I haven't got that conviction yet to serve. No, every person, every joint supplies in this house called in power. Every every part is called to serve. So I just want to encourage some people here. If you've been like, you know what? I've been a part of this house, but I haven't been serving. I want to let you know it's not for your detriment. It's not for uh, you to pull back and just go, I'm just going to kind of listen and receive It's actually for the blessing of this house and this world that you would get on fire for Jesus and you would serve his vision and his mission. Because you know why? This thing is Jesus' vision. It's not my vision. It's not Pastor Paul's vision. This whole thing is Jesus' vision for the world. Do you know there's a broken and dying world out there? And the church is not god's plan c the church is god's plan a for how it's going to be reached i do want to put a demand on that because sometimes they can be kind of like a oh we won't tell people to serve or we won't you know we, we won't put the onus or the thing no i think you and i should do this together in community i really believe you and i are called to change the world together i really believe in jesus vision enough that you and I are here to see brokenness become redeemed in our city. I really, really believe that Jesus' vision is outworked through you and I getting on mission and vision together. I actually believe that. So yeah, I'll put the call out. If you're not serving, hey, get on a team. Hey, if you're not a part of this yet, hey, how can we help you on your next step go, I will be a part of this house. I will see people come to christ i will give to the pancake drive i know we're a generous church and i'm not saying or condemning anyone here but if there's someone where you're like i just need a word from god today your word is get on board get on board go on let's do this together if we want to be a fruitful tree we must remember the seed what is the seed matthew 18 16 jesus said this he said and i tell you that you are peter and on this rock i will build my church yes it's the church yes this is your church but jesus said i will build my church this is his vision this is his mission and i honor god enough and i love him enough that i'm like god if you said it i'll do it if you want me on mission i'll do it if i need to get over some stuff i'll do it if i need to work harder better in my communication i'll do it god i'll do it because i'm not a cultural Christian, I want to live what you have called this world to look like. And if I'm a part of it, then thank you. And it's an honor and it's a privilege that I get. to It's his vision. As we make disciples, as we see souls saved, God builds his church. And kind of like a big puzzle piece. This is the beauty of God and how beautiful he is. Like the body like a tree like a puzzle when someone says i'm all in and i've laid down my life and god my life is in your hands he starts to put the pieces of the body together and go i think the best fit would be the finger yeah i I put that gifting i put that thing in them like a puzzle piece he says this puzzle piece your life would be best suited there and then like a tree Uh, you know what, I think this branch would be best for that, for the most fruitful thing. God sees your life and he says, you can be a part of something greater than just yourself. And that excites me, that I can actually live for something bigger than myself. Greatest lives are those who live for something bigger than themselves. So we've got to ask ourselves the question on our lives, will we allow future generations to flourish because of our commitment to God's If yes, let us all bring unity to God's house this year. If we're faithful to the seed, we'll sow in serving, we'll sow in generosity, because this thing is so much bigger than you and me. So much bigger. Why don't we pray? Thank you, Lord. Lord, this is your house, this is your church. God, not mine, not any man's or woman's. This is yours. And God, we want to be faithful to the seed you placed in our heart. God, the giftings on our lives, finances, the breath in our lungs right now, God. God, we choose as a church to lay it down for you so that you get to choose where it goes. You get to call the shots, Lord, because that's what it means for you to be Lord of our lives. And I thank you today for every person in this house that they are a member, of your body your blood flows through them covers them your spirit fills them and god you would grace them every single day to live the call on their lives god you are not after a flaky one foot in one foot out church you're after a strong church so god let us be that god let us give it up let us surrender the things that we need to surrender god so that we can get more of you in this world because lord our world needs it our future generations need it Our schools need it, our businesses need it, our friends need it, family needs it, the broken need it, the dying need it, children need it, the youth, the young adults, the families, the elderly, everyone needs you, Lord. So, Lord, come and have your way in us, we pray. Amen.